Welcome to Seemingly Ordinary. It's a podcast where I interview people who on the surface appear to be ordinary, but they tend to have really amazing things going on. So today I'm here with Amber Helbrick. She is the Director of Admissions at St. James Academy. If it weren't for her, we might not have any students. In the past, she's worked for the Special Olympics as their KC Metro and Southeast Director. She's married for almost 20 years now, has two kids, and her hobbies include weightlifting, cardio, sports, reading, and playing games. And she's a lot of fun. She's always laughing and joking. She has an irreverent sense of humor. I hope that it will not get me banned from multiple (laughs) platforms. So today we're going to discuss her secret origin story, her work, and her strategies and tactics for winning people over. Hey, Amber. Hey, Tim. How's it going? Uh, Life's good. Good. So, hey, we're recording this on June the 3rd of 21. I don't know about you, but for me, this was just a wild year, and I'd like to know, what was it like for you? Um, I would say it actually was kind of a wild year as well. Um, I would say, are you wanting both personal and work or? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. The magic combination, because it seemed like you held things together at work, but if you went home and chugged like two bottles of wine every <laughs> night, I would be worried. Well, yeah, that wouldn't happen since I'm really not a drinker, but, um, yeah, I think this year had its own challenges. I think, uh, for personally, like our family, it was really nice I would say one of the positives that came out of COVID at the beginning was that you just got to spend a lot more quality family time. Um, And then as the school year transitioned, it was um, really awesome to be in person and for our, my kids to go to school every day and to come to a place that we were actually open. Um, Yeah. So um, it was, it's been a challenging year, you know, trying to the things that we had to put in place to keep students in the building, you know, with the masks and not necessarily having all the social outlets that teenagers would normally have or us as adults. And so I think the one thing that has been missing is that definite human connection that, um, that students and we as adults seek out. And so I think that has made it a little bit challenging, but Overall, I'm, I'm glad we made it through. Yeah, yeah, I am too. And you know, last March in 20, when we first went on Zoom and nobody else was going on Zoom, I thought, hey, at least we're doing something. And I felt pretty good about that. Uh, and then when we came into school, I would say in September or so, uh, other than having maybe one rough week in the semester, I was just so grateful to yeah. actually be on campus. And I did feel like the teens were maybe getting ripped off by life in the sense of it's really hard to put on a play. Mm -hmm. And it was probably extremely challenging for people to have sports and typical things like dances. That stuff was either not possible or we just had to bend ourselves into a pretzel in order to get stuff done. A hundred percent. I mean, I just think we were always pivoting, trying to find what if we were going to do something, how we were going to do it, but then you had to think about it 60 different ways, maybe rather than your normal two, like you had to put out every single scenario, which made it a little bit more challenging. And it seemed like a lot more work that you had to put into it than you normally would. But in the end it was worth it. Um, and I think everybody, you know, just, gave more than 110% this year um, in order to, to pull it off. And like you said, I mean, it wasn't a normal year as far as our the social aspects. And I think the things that 
you know, the teenagers didn't get to, to normally necessarily experience what life is like as a teenager to have that those social outlets, to have those things to do on the weekends with their friends and to get those opportunities. But hopefully within this next year, it'll be really awesome. Yeah. You know, the big thing that I grew to worry about with people nationwide, especially teenagers, but in all honesty, everybody, I, you know, whether you're five or 95, was I started to worry about just the psychological effects of isolation on people, Mm -hmm. Uh, just people getting anxiety, people getting depression, people, uh, you know, gaining weight because they don't know what else to do other than eat Little Debbie's neck cakes. I mean, people were joking and starting to call them Big Deborah's neck cakes. (laughs) You know, just I just worried about people mentally and physically and emotionally just falling apart. Yeah. So I was so happy that we were here just because I thought it's something. Absolutely. We're doing something and we keep trying, you know, we, we did put on plays, we had sports, won a state title, um, had a prom, mm-hmm. you know, just, which I, what was that outdoors? Yeah, it was outdoors. Yeah, yeah. it was great. Yeah. 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 Okay. So maybe we've already covered this. I don't know, but in your mind, what was the best part? Of the last year or the best parts? Hmm. The best parts of the last year. I would say getting to see people, even if you only saw their eyes, I think having the opportunity to walk out of your house and to know that you were going to a place that you could see and interact with people every single day, whether it be your coworkers or the students, I just think some sort of normalcy because I think it was very easy when COVID first began that everybody was stuck at home, it was really hard to like, I I mean, when we were working from home in the summer, because obviously we had to change our whole routine and our thought process to plan for the school year. I mean, thinking about coming back into the building, which wasn't necessarily scary, but you were stuck being at home. And so you were used to being at home. And so you're like, wow, now I have to go back in the office. I actually have to put on dress clothes. Right. And I can't do everything. And I don't know, like pants or or workout clothes, like wash my jeans roughly every 25 days, you know, that kind of thing. Right. I mean, so I think, um, just having, you know, it was a little, I don't want to say nervous, but I'm sure students felt that way as well, but just being able to see people every single day and having, the conversation um, and just genuine, oh my gosh, how are you? You know, that was, I think, one of the positives. And I just think, like I mentioned earlier, I think we as a whole, as a school, um, and especially in my role as the admissions director, I don't feel like we would have done or would be doing as well as we did if it wasn't for every single person and what they contributed to in this building. It's a, a huge team. And as far as the effort that it was exhausting at times, but there were also, I mean, I think the positives way outweigh the negatives. And so, yeah, I think all in all, it was an awesome year. I I did too. I I feel like it was an awesome year. And this might seem like kind of a weird thing for me to say, but one thing I've always kind of loved about this place is people really don't complain all that much. Mm -hmm. They tend to solve problems. I mean, even if somebody vents for three minutes, then it's probably not three minutes. It's more like 30 seconds. And then people's minds kind of go to solutions. And it it could just be because people know that it's really not fun to listen to somebody complain all the time, or it could just be because we have such a good community, good, good culture. I've worked at other places where 
complaining was an Olympic event. I mean, it was just like right. all some people did and, and it was exhausting. And so, so here I just, I do feel you're right. I do feel people really kind of pulled together. Um, let me ask, did you feel like you got kind of good at reading people's facial expressions with just their eyes? Yeah, I do. I feel like um, it was funny because I don't even remember what meeting it was or I was, was having a conversation with someone, but they made a comment that they could tell that I was smiling because yeah. of my eyes. And I think that was really one thing that you really got to know, I think, a student's personality was by their facial expressions, even though, you you know, who... Who would have known that you would, would really get to know someone by um, not having being able to see their face and their, their or their mouth and their nose? I mean, so I think that getting to read, like you said, the cues. Yeah, I think it's one. It's been a learned skill over yeah, the last year. Kind of a learned yeah. skill. Um, yeah. What do you think? We kind of talked about some of the best things. People pulling together. Mm -hmm. What do you think was? I don't know. Either the worst thing or the most stressful thing. However you want to phrase it. Um, I have to think about that. Um, the most, I think the, the most stressful was, um, kind of twofold, I think, or, or I would say not stressful, but frustrating. Okay. I think, um, f for me personally, frustrating at like, and I think every teacher, I mean, when you, with COVID and not knowing if you were going to have to quarantine or not. And then I think as a parent, if my child had to quarantine twice, my oldest, and then my youngest had to quarantine once. And so that made it really just frustrating. Um, I mean, yes, we embraced it and knew that it had, that we had to do it, but it was also very challenging because I work in a building of a school. And so I see the learning that takes place and the learning that takes place in person was not the same as the effort that was given when they were at home. And so, um, and again, I think it also depends on your students, but for me, my boys were all about, okay, let's get it, get our work done. And then I have the rest of the day to do whatever I want. Okay. And, but I think the attention that they gave was not near what they give when they're in person because, you know, you have that accountability aspect. And I think having teachers and seeing teachers and, and your coworkers in the building is, provide you some accountability and you know you have to show up you know you have to perform and I think that lacks a little when you're at home so I think that frustration of having to quarantine for multiple times was you know it, it just it just stunk yeah to be honest yeah look I, I think getting quarantine is like being nibbled to death by ducks yeah I mean it was terrible I mean it was I mean I understood we had to do it but in the end I mean oh gosh I didn't know yeah, I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd rather do a cordless bungee jump off the Sears Tower 900 feet into a bucket of cement on my head than I quarantine mean, again. It's so awful. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah. So I think, I, I mean, I feel like that was probably, I would say for every family and every kid, and for the majority, I don't want to say right. every kid, I would say for the majority of kids and for every, the majority of the families, that was probably the biggest frustration. Oh, and yeah. I would say for teachers. Oh, for sure. Because you were constantly having to pivot your platform on the way you would instruct. So either you had your students in person, but wait, yet you also had to do it with virtually for those kids that are learning online, knowing that they're probably not paying attention as much as they would, you know, when they were in the classroom. Well, for sure. I just, I'll, I'll tell you what, when we first went to Zoom, I saw a little article maybe about three days in, and it was this mom 
walked into her daughter's bedroom, and her daughter is 10. And the teacher was talking on the screen, and uh, all that seemed fine, except the daughter was sitting in the closet playing with the dog. And then the mom goes, what the heck? And so then she runs over to the screen, and then she sees that her daughter has made a little video of herself looking like she's paying attention. She's writing some things down. She's looking up. She's nodding. She's writing some more things down. She's putting a thoughtful expression on her face. She's writing more things down. Meanwhile, the 10-year-old is in the closet with the German shepherd, you know, just petting the dog. And I, I read that, and I thought, oh, no. This is the worst. I thought, oh, my gosh. Like These kids, when that kid who's staring straight ahead... How do I know he's not playing Call of Duty 9 right. or whatever and has me on mute? It's like a smarter version of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for the digital. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, it forced me to completely change my teaching style. I, I thought, gosh, you can't do a four-minute lecture no. anymore. I mean, four minutes is definitely too long. Let's see if I can get that cut down to two minutes and have people work on their assignments right off the bat, and then talk to every single kid individually twice in order right. to try to establish a personal connection. And I, I don't know how other people managed to do things. That was my own lame attempt yeah. to try to do things. I just, uh, I, I agree with you. I'm in the category of people that think that Zoom is severely defective means of instruction for 90% of the population. I'm completely with you on that. Right. I mean, it worked. It served its purpose. And it yes. did what we needed to do for us to be in person. But let's be real. I think most people, the majority of the people, need that human contact. Yes. Yeah. And then, but when we did it in March, April, and May of 2020, and a lot of the other schools didn't, weren't, right. weren't doing that. And they just flat out stopped. And, right. And they were like, hey, school year's over, kids. You know, have a rotten summer. You're not going to be able to do anything. <laughs> I, I thought at least we're doing something. I would say for that, like I, you just made me think of something. One of the positives, I think another positive that came out of um, COVID, I would say would be last year in 2020 summer after we finished our school year. I okay. think my kids probably would have said if, you, if they, in 20 years from now, if you would ask them, they probably would say that would be the best, most memorable summer of their life. And the reason would be is we live in a neighborhood that has 30 kids under the age of my oldest, which is 17, and they range from, at that time, age 16 down to age 3, and literally, after school was out for us, they would be outside playing from the time school ended, which would be noon, till 10 o'clock every single night, and making memories, swimming, like, just anything that they could do outside, which was Awesome. This was summer of 2020 mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. So that's awesome. Anyway. I, I think some people really came out ahead in COVID. And then I think some these lockdowns. And then I think some people really got blitzkrieged pretty hard. 100%. So, yeah. So I, I'm not terribly happy about the fact that some people have just really, really suffered. Like they lost income, their kids didn't get in school and all the rest. But it's, it's. I always love these stories where, hey, the kids were like out in the woods right, and exactly. doing cool things. And they did this for 12 hours a day and they couldn't find their smartphones. They don't remember where they set it down. <laughs> I just think that's great. No, it was awesome. It was awesome. Okay. Okay. So you're a director of admissions. Um, before I go too much further, what exactly do you do all day? Well, that's a great question. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Um, so. I collect checks and drink margaritas. So, you know, 
obviously I did not, I, I didn't go to school to be a director of admissions. I kind of landed this role. Um, kind of how I ended up at St. James is, well, as Tim mentioned earlier, I, I, I worked for 11 and a half years for Special Olympics Kansas um, and um, was there kind of oversaw the metro and um, southeast region and my job was to plan events and tournaments and interact with our coaches and our athletes and do fundraising events and so when I left there I came to St. James as the director of advancement which is the fundraising aspect here and um, I've been here for almost I think I'm going on my ninth year which is really awesome so for probably eight years at least. I was the director of advancement where I did all the fundraising, worked directly with our president. Um, and then our director of admissions retired at the end of COVID 2020. She ended, which thankfully um, I was able to shadow her for a full year. So 2019 towards the end of 20 um, and then basically became the admissions director on my own this year for the 2021 school year. So um you know, I would say that um, I've learned a lot. I mean, obviously, like I said, I didn't go to school to be the director of admissions, but um, what do I do every day? I would say this year has been really busy um, okay. for admissions, and it's been a blessing, I think, and also a challenge for me having to go solo, but also <laughs> doing pivoting this year than something different than we ever had to do. So, Thankfully, um, my mentor, which was Karen McGinn, who retired, um, she was just a phone call away, and I would talk a lot of things through with her. I sat on a lot of um, webinars of with other um, schools and companies trying to figure out how we were going to pivot and try to get kids to our school without actually letting people come into the school, you know, because mm. when COVID first began, I mean, we weren't really letting outside guests, so we had to we had to manipulate our whole thought process of how we were going to try to get eighth graders and their families to come see who we are and learn more about us. Because so, that's the big thing. I guess it's like a college in the sense that, hey, we're private school. People want to go visit the college. They absolutely. want to walk around the campus. They want to randomly meet this coach and that coach and this teacher and you know the custodian. They just want to kind of get a vibe. They want to talk to the students who are there and find out are these people who are here are they happy are they transferring what are they doing you know absolutely like so for today just for instance I mean obviously we're on the summer schedule but before we met today I mean I had a transfer interview meeting this morning with a, oh, cool. a girl who is um, would be transferring in as a sophomore and her family and so that you know is a piece of the day so I would say the majority of my normal work day during the school year consists of if we have a shadow visit, working with our shadows that day, taking phone calls with parents, but also planning events like our upcoming events, getting ready for those, our um, open houses. Um, it, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it is, um, you know, kind of tedious and answering phone calls and emails about interest mm. in the school. Okay. And it, it all became digital. Yeah. I mean, for this year, yes. Okay. I mean, when... Um, you know, like for instance, when everyone was closed last year and they ended the school year and when you said in March of 2020, um, we still kept working. Uh, and that was when we we're like, oh my gosh, this is the emptiest our school will ever have be. This is the cleanest it's ever been <laughs> <laughs> with no one here. 
And thankfully, we have an amazing team. So Alyssa and Eddie and I, Eddie's the, you know, the brainchild, and he had been researching this. We probably, I think, were the first ones kind of out of um, our other sister schools who were like, we need to create a virtual tour. Mm. And so I'm not kidding you. The three of us spent four days. We did it ourselves. Okay. Um, we, you know... I say we, Eddie did the majority of the work, but I mean, he researched the software we needed to get. And then we literally walked the classrooms, filmed everything. It took us a good three to four days because obviously at the first day we didn't really know we were still learning. So we had to redo it. But then um, by the time we filmed all of that, and then by the time him and Alyssa put the content together, it probably was a two week project. I mean, it was, but we would have never had that opportunity to do that had this not happened. So there are some pluses that came out of it. And that virtual tour, I thought was pretty phenomenal because as you know, we are kind of a, I feel like we're a fast, I don't know, a future forward school as far as our videos and our and the, the products and stuff that we put out. So a lot of those videos that we had done, um, we also linked with that tour. And so it was really great. Okay, all right. Yeah. So did we pick up students that semester? Yeah, we did. So going into actually the beginning of 2020 in the fall, we had probably almost 25 transfer students that transferred in at semester oh my or in the fall. And I would say... That's a lot. That is a lot. And I mean, what, what do we have ordinarily about 8.30, 8.40, somewhere in there in that yeah, ballpark? Um, I think this year we ended with 8.37. So this okay. was lower only because we had graduated some larger classes. Right. And so having about 20 to 25 come in the fall, and that's not even including what we had in the winter. I think we had another 15 more, which again, yeah. we lose some. And But the biggest thing um, I would say we started to get more interest was because people who we were getting interest from kids who had attended public school, that their families wanted their children to be in person, in person. and learning. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think we've got a big class coming in this coming Correct. Oh, yep. We? Yep. So right now we we're sitting at 230 incoming freshmen, which is great. I mean that may we may lose some here and there before the school year starts, or we may gain a few more. But and we're currently then also on top of that, sitting at 15 incoming transfers. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of a nice booster shot then for the school. It is actually our. I you know, well you just didn't know what to expect coming off of a COVID year families who have might have lost their jobs and their families have been impacted financially. Um, And I think the biggest thing that we really worked hard on as far as our admissions office and the message that we wanted to get to our families is that we want to be there to support you. So we know that your families might have been affected by COVID. You might have lost your jobs and financially you might not be able to afford it. But if our school and the Catholic education is something that you still very much want for your child. We want to help work through those obstacles with you and not, you know, not have to have you have take your kids somewhere else or go to public school. I mean, that's, I think that's one of the beautiful things about our school and our administration is that we're willing to be there and walk that journey with you when times get tough. We're not just going to toss you aside and say, sorry, you got to do it on your own. Right. I you mean, owe us an extra 500 bucks. Have a nice day. Right. I think it's the partnership. And I want, I, I hope families know that. And I feel, feel like we do a really good job of conveying that, that that's part of our mission, but also who we are as humans. Yeah. 
you know, to be there to support each other through the thick and the thin. And I think um, knowing that someone is there to have your back and to support you when times are tough, I think that's that's huge. That's huge. Well, I just uh, feel in general that community is really, really, really important. I grew up in a small town with 800 people, and then I moved to Kansas City area, which, you know, I don't know what it, we are, 2 million, 3 million, mm-hmm. something yeah, like that. Either. So it's humongous. And so it's it's just a very different feeling. And I, I sort of came to the conclusion that it would be best if everybody had a neighborhood, even if they lived in a big city. And I guess our school creates a neighborhood mm-hmm. for people. hundred percent. So, I agree with you. Yeah. So, yeah. Where maybe everybody gets a chance to know everybody and everybody can be close and just yeah. cool things like that. So given the fact that we were open and a lot of other places were really kind of struggling with it, um, I know we did things very carefully because when we started in September, we were on campus maybe two days a week and then soon it went to four days a week. And so I just, I know that we were trying to be careful about things, et cetera. What praise and then also maybe what criticism do you feel like you got from I don't know, maybe the general public or from from whomever? Um, I would say praise. You know, I think the feedback that we received from parents, current parents, but even in the feedback that they would have in conversations with some of their friends whose kids might attend public school is that they were so gracious and thankful. And I think they received a lot of questions from some of their friends whose kids attended public school of like, how is it working? What are you doing? Mm. You know, like, and because I think a lot of families um, were frustrated with the public school system and just how, I guess, I don't want to say how slow they were to move forward and to develop a plan where I feel like that was one of the um, things that our parents were so gracious as how, as you know, right to work, our administration went, um, how quickly they acted starting in the summer in in order to develop a plan that we could be open in the fall. So I think um, that was the biggest thing I praise from parents, even from students, I think just being here. Oh, I think so. I mean, if the alternative is Zoom or being with your friends, I think you're going to choose 90% of the people are going to be choosing be with your friends. 100%. As far as criticism, I don't know, I guess, really, if we received much criticism other than, you know, you're always going to have a mixed mixed, um, group, even among our own that were mixed as far as emotions and feelings when it came to COVID and masking and and safety and things like that. But I think the alternative that we went, like you said, we, we slowly opened and then we went to four days a week with the digital day in the middle. I think that was a great, um, it was a good transition. It was a great slowly transition into the school year that helped ease a lot of people's minds. But I also feel like the, in order to, to, alleviate some of the concerns maybe that some of our families were having and I don't like I said I don't want to say criticize I think it was probably more more concerns concerns. more like hey we have questions correct I think Dr. Rapp and our administration did a really great job of addressing that like every time we would like we'd go for two weeks or we'd go for four weeks and then they'd have we'd have a couple webinars where we'd answer questions and how we would do things and I think they really stayed on top of that to try to you know, let parents know that they were listening and we are trying to do what's best for our families and we understand the concerns. And so we do want to try to address those. I I think we did a great job with that, to be honest. Dr. Rapp would send out these statistics on COVID Mm -hmm. cases and things like that. And so you would see 
what's happening in the county. And it's a pretty big county, Johnson County, Kansas. And then we would see what's happening at our school and how many new cases are there, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a certain period, I think it could have been in March, maybe April, where I think there was maybe either zero new cases every week or maybe just one new case every week. And if you paid attention to the stats, like from, I think, something like December to March, maybe January to March, it was literally something like an 85% drop around oh, the wow. county. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, uh, statistics sometimes are kind of a, a reliever. Yeah, 100%. You know? so, I agree. Yeah. So I that agree. was kind of cool. Um, is there anything on this whole topic that I should have asked that I didn't ask? Hmm. I don't think so. I, I, you know, I really don't have anything to compare it to. Like I said, since I'm kind of brand new in this role and have only really been in it for a year and I don't have all, I can't compare it to a normal year because I wasn't in it really in right, it in a normal right. year. Next year, you're going to be like, this is a cakewalk. <laughs> right. I've recruited 10,000 students for the school <laughs> and it's only like August the 1st. You're going to be like, this is easy. What are people complaining oh, yeah. about? I know, right? Yeah, oh, I my mean, gosh. yeah, you just, you had the, I don't know, just bend yourself do like a contortionist at a circus <laughs> to make things happen this yeah. year. It's just crazy. It was, it was, a, it was a little overwhelming at times, but... It turned out great. Yeah, 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 it turned out great. Absolutely great. Um, let's change topics. Let's get into your secret origin story. My as secret a, origin story. As a kid, story. as a kid. Okay. Yeah, I just, I always love to see how people are the same person that they were um, back when they were five, oh, you know, or yeah. eight or 12. I just feel like there's so much consistency with people. And so I just want to know, um, well, just, hey, start anywhere. Just tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I too grew up in a small town, um, not of 800, of course, um, a small town in Missouri, Southeast Missouri, um, called Perryville. And it was a population, I think growing up of about 7,000. Okay. Um, did you have a stoplight? We did. We, we did not. A, we had a square. Okay. Yeah, so like, did you have a stop sign that people followed? <laughs> yes. We did not. <laughs> I mean, everybody cruised the strip, you know, so like we did have one stoplight. It was in town around the square. There might have been two, actually, two, okay. two or three stoplights. Um, but obviously now it's it's bigger and has grown. I think the population is closer to 9,000. Oh, maybe. wow. Yeah. Holy cow. Um, but um, my, um, I'm the oldest of three. I have two younger brothers. Um, went to Catholic school my whole life, so grew up, went to kindergarten through high school, and then college, um, actually went to U- University of Central Missouri, which was Central Missouri State when I attended. Now it's UCM. Um, and What were your degrees? Um, well, funny. My degree was, uh, I have a bachelor's of science degree in therapeutic recreation. So I don't even, yeah. So I don't even really use that. Um, you kind of do. I mean, you're an an event planner. Right. And you're fun. Right. (laughs) I mean, what's interesting is when I went to college, um, I did a lot of volunteering. Um, we ended up volunteering for the Paralympics in 1996 in Atlanta um, following the regular Olympics and that, um, kind of was with therapeutic recreation. I realized that I did not want to be in a clinical setting. I didn't want to do like, um, Re- rehab, right. I didn't want to do mental health side or I didn't really want to do hospital setting. I really liked, um, since I was athletic and loved sports, I wanted to do work with people with disabilities. Um, and so my internship actually in college, I went to Virginia 
And I, I worked at this, um, my internship was at this rehab, it was called the Woodrow Wilson Rehab Center, and it was actually 30 minutes from Charlottesville, from UVA. Um, and I worked with, um, at a facility that the facility that they hosted, they had three kind of tracks. They had one for, um, traumatic brain injury. Um, they had, uh, one for, um, paraplegics and quadriplegics. So if they were just recently in an injury and then what was the other one? Um, but basically it was for adults once they got 18, if they had, um, they would come there and they would learn the skills and the tools. Like, let's just say they were in a recent accident and they became a paraplegic or quadriplegic. Oh, wow. Okay. They would come there and get therapy and then they would learn new skills because obviously their life had changed. And so maybe the, some of the skills in their workforce that they were accustomed to doing, that they would they would change. And so they would need to learn how to 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 manage and do all those things. And so, um, and then people who may maybe had a traumatic brain injury. So it was a place that they could come and learn so they can transition then onto their new life, learning how to, um, adjust to their new life with these disabilities. So on top of that, they had a really big wheelchair sports program out there. And so we did the, a lot of the clients or the, the people the athletes out there, some of them would get into wheelchair sports. And so we would go around and we would do competitions and like track and field with. And so anyway, ultimately that's what I wanted to do, but I did not end up staying out there. So I moved back home, um, took my job with Special Olympics and because obviously my love of that. And then that kind of spiraled into here but um you did that for a very long time yeah wasn't it about 12 or 13 years yeah I would say 12 or 13 years but I think you know growing up as a kid um I was more of a tomboy okay um I could see that the neighborhood that we had you know I was really one of I mean there might have been another girl or two but we would always be outside playing okay and then I had a lot of cousins all my cousins the majority of my cousins were boys I think there were three girls and so we would just, that's, that's, we'd play they football. They were sporty. Play fo- yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just what we would do. You played football. Yeah. What position did I you play? I don't remember. I mean, we just played in the backyard. <laughs> so whoever got the ball, you know what I mean? Was it like a flag football or was there tackling It was probably involved? more tackle. I think I probably remember playing more wiffle ball. My cousins, okay. actually, they had a pretty big, we had a pretty big, big backyard, but they actually were serious and they actually made a ball field. Like my cousin would mow the diamond out in his backyard and there was a, in the neighbor's backyard, if you hit it, he had a sinkhole. So if you got it in the sinkhole, obviously it was a home run, but, um, but yeah, we played, I mean, that's what we did a lot of our summers and, um, and we did a lot of that too, actually growing up. I mean, we kind of had seasons. We had a bunch of neighborhood friends and actually it was all guys. So, uh, it probably could have been more fun. Like it had some girls been there, but we, yeah, like one season was wiffle ball. And when we were a little older than maybe softball or baseball, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a basketball season, um, a football season. There's probably just three seasons. Cause then when it's snowy, then I guess we shifted over into playing board games. Right. Or you, know? you go outside and sledding, but I'm sure yeah. in your small hometown, it's similar to mine is you rode your bike everywhere. You did. You didn't have to worry about stranger danger or anything like that i mean well our parents didn't worry about it right or some of my parents were just like tim's kind of irritating me today if he doesn't come back home maybe that's fine (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but I mean, you just rode your bike all around town and yep. to go see your friend's house, and that's what you did. You know, I, I tell my own students about this. Uh, you know, I say, hey, gosh, you know, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, um, you know, you'd have breakfast, maybe you'd do some chores around the house for about 40 minutes, something mm -hmm. like that. And then the parents would say, we'll see you at noon. And then there was a whistle that would blow in town at noon. And so then you would, you know, you'd hear the whistle and right, then you'd right. bike home. And, you know, where were we for those three, three right. and a half hours? I am not telling. <laughs> and then after lunch, maybe you do like a few more things for mom and dad, a few more chores, you know, you mow the lawn, you do something. And then you have from maybe about, I don't know, 1, one thirty up until 6. Then the church bells would ring at 6 and you knew that was the cue for come home for dinner right you know yeah. so what did we do for those four hours five and a half hours had we, a lot of fun we had a lot of fun um 98 of which was legal yes you know yeah. so it was good yeah yeah i agree yeah, yeah. It, it was nice and memorable yeah these kids these days i've had students tell me that they have to text their parents every morning when they get to school to basically say hey i've arrived here safely that's that's something else. It's wow, just a completely it different world as it far is as I'm concerned. Completely different world. Yeah, you're completely exactly different, right. Different world. Um, okay, so things in high school. I know that you were sporty. What sports did you ultimately play? And and what else did did you do? Drama? Did you do music? What what um, else did you do? You know, I funny. I was in a girl. I was in Girl Scouts all the way up to my senior year. Um, and so um, started that when I was think I was five because um, I really liked the outdoors and the group that we had was a really great group. Um, so I, you know, kept up with Girl Scouts all the way to my senior year, which is, you know, most people, there weren't a whole lot, kind of like Boy Scouts now, you know, there's not a whole lot that go on to get their um, Eagle Scout, but... But that's kind of a big deal. I mean, I, I didn't do any of that, but my understanding is that you yeah. learn just a ton of different actual physical skills. Yeah, I mean, it was really good. I mean, some of the things obviously push you outside of your comfort zone, and we took some really cool trips, and um, but they were very informative and things like that. And I would say, you know, growing up, in high school and even in uh, grade school and stuff. I mean, I think the sports that I was, the main sports that we, that was offered, I would say in my hometown is one of them was soccer. I started playing okay. that when I was five. Coming from a small town though, you were very limited. It's not like now where you have girls soccer and boys soccer. I mean, there weren't a lot of girls that played soccer. So I played with the boys all the way up until my eighth grade year. I mean, we played co-ed so that there were, I. I can, two of us girls that we played on a boys soccer team. And then, you know, obviously I played softball and then volleyball in high school and basketball. And so those were probably the main sports. Did you, did you start in all of these sports? Because uh, sometimes you can in a small town. Yes. I would say for, yes. I mean, for basketball, I probably, I started playing I didn't play much varsity my freshman year, except towards the end, and then same, I'm trying to remember. Whoa, you ball. played varsity at the end of your freshman year? Yeah, only because, again, small school, yeah. not very many players. Yeah. I mean, you know, you didn't have a whole lot of girls that went out, and so it's I It's kind of the secret sauce if you want your kid to be super well-rounded. Yeah, you know, I would just, say just, that is the benefit of going to a small school, right. is that you had... If you wanted to play, your chances of getting cut were pretty limited. Yep. And um, there weren't a whole lot of girls that went out. So, like, volleyball, I think I – I don't even remember. Var I did not play varsity freshman year. I may be sophomore year. Um, and then same for basketball. 
um, started my varsity. But again, I mean, I think our varsity team had 10 girls. My best friend and I joke about this. We were terrible in basketball. Terrible. Like our junior and senior year, our tallest girl was 5'8". Oh, my gosh. 5'8". Okay. I mean, we. I think we won three games. Okay. <laughs> like, she has the stats. She actually sent them to me, like, a, like during COVID. She was going mm. through stuff. But we were we were not good. But we had fun. And that's really, I think, the biggest thing for basketball. It's the biggest thing. Yeah. Like, we remember. I mean, you know, sometimes you would just goof off at practice. And I feel like high school now practices are so much more serious and intense. Okay. Than when I was a kid. Um, and then even volleyball. I mean, we were decent in volleyball. Um, and we, you know, made it to districts. We never, I don't think we went to state. Um, I would remember if we did. But yeah, I mean, we were better at volleyball. And really at my high school, those were the only two sports that we offered for girls. We didn't offer track. We didn't offer cross country because we were a small 1A school. And then my senior year, they started offering softball, but I didn't play. So well, and, I, I, and then I played soccer in the off season. So. I feel like it's benefited you because your whole life, uh, ever since, I mean, you've been into fitness and you try to eat right and you just, you do all those good kind of things. You know, you probably play some sports on the side mm-hmm. if you have any time, etc. So, yeah. uh, what else did you do? Clubs? Did you do other activities? Did you do music? Um, no, I did not do music. I mean, they had choir, but um, I wasn't super involved in that. Um, I wasn't. We did actually have. <laughs> we were required to be in the play. You were required to be in the play. Yes, it was a senior play, and everybody, every senior, had to be in it. It wasn't an option. Okay, but. I have a close friend who's a theater director, and I was in a bunch of plays myself. And, you know, people's acting ability varies greatly. 100%. You yes. know, on one hand, you've got, you know, somebody awesome like Clint Eastwood, you know. <laughs> well, I love Clint Eastwood. You know, and he plays a wide variety of roles. I'm kind of on a Clint Eastwood binge right now. Oh. So people always kind of think of Clint as just like one role. But after you see about 10 films, you see he does different things right, with different right. characters. But in any case, then you see the other person out there who, you know, honestly, you couldn't get them to act if you if right. you terrified right. them. They would not act afraid. Yeah. You know, so. It was, I think that the, it seemed like the play, they had a part for everyone. So if you were more outspoken, obviously you kind of got a lead. But if you were more someone who didn't prefer the limelight, maybe you were a prop or you worked backstage. You or, were a prop. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you are just stand here and <laughs> be a fire hydrant. Right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, but but yeah. you were the best dog on <laughs> exactly. tree. You have real um, skill. But what's funny is I was home probably a couple months ago and ran into some of my high school friends because we played in a golf tournament and we still talk about our senior play and how terrible some of us were. And how, you know, just how much, I mean... I, you know, you seem like you'd be a natural actress if you really threw yourself into it. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, or, or maybe you just play Amber, did, and that's the best I, role for I, you. I'm trying to remember. I played the... I remember her name, but I don't remember the play. Her name was Miss Edna Troutliver. Okay. <laughs> and I was the teacher. I was like an old lady. Okay. Um, but I don't remember, like, what the context of the thing was. But it was like a, we were like a school and I was a teacher, but I don't remember the rest of it. But I mean, it was all right. I mean, you had to, you know, if that was your thing, I mean, it worked and we got, we were able to do it, but I probably wouldn't say it would be my favorite, you know, so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, books. Uh, you said you liked to read. Were you much of a reader in high school no, or does that come later? I think that came later. 
Okay. Um, didn't really have much time to do it in high school, so yeah. Gotcha. Okay, well, let's move on to college. How, okay. did, how did college change you as a person? Or what did you do in college? Mm -hmm. What was fun in college? Just pick the question you like. That's a great question. Um, well, I went to Central Missouri State, or UCM, um, because it was four hours away from home. Uh, Southeast Missouri State University was only 30 minutes from home, and that seemed like where that was a lot. Of, a lot of people went there, and then a lot of my friends went to Mizzou, and that just was that was too big for me. Okay. Um, and I knew a couple people that went to UCM, so I went there. Um, I was not, I, I, um, I was not interested in the fraternity or sorority life. Um, I knew that. I can make some friends, um, you know, in the dorms. Um, and to be honest, financially, I didn't have the money. Um, my family was very blue collar. My dad was a carpenter and my mom was a hairdresser. And so they put us through Catholic high school or Catholic school our whole life. And to be honest, did not have the means to put us through college. I mean, they worked their tails off. And so college was kind of on our own. And um, I wanted to go somewhere where I didn't have to I mean, I did have debt, but I did not, you know. You didn't um, want to rack up a gigantic correct, debt. Correct. And I just didn't want to, you know, incur those extra expenses that I didn't, that I didn't need to. And do, you, do you feel like you walked into college maybe just with a little bit more of a goal or a little bit more seriousness than maybe some of the students? Mm, I don't know. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say yes or no. I just knew that I was going to have to pay for it at. The, at the end, I think that just, you know, which my mom and dad did help occasionally, um, with some things, but it was, you know, I had a job and, and everything else. And, um, you know, my first semester of college, I like, it was, it was hard because I thought I wanted to be speech pathologist and audiologist. Okay. And so that's what I went into. And then quickly after that, I was like, no way, I don't want to do this. And then I was like, after my first semester, my freshman year, I I was like, Mom, I don't know that I want to go back. I think I want to become a hairdresser. And she's okay. like, no, you don't. <laughs> you're going back to school and mm -hmm. you're not going to be a hairdresser, you know. So, I mean, I think it's just your initial jitters of being away from home. And Look, I, I found it to be a shock. Well, college. it's the realization that you're never going to be in your home. It's never going to be the same as what it was when you were a kid. Your, you your hometown? I mean? Yes. Well, oh, sure. Like house, once, once you leave, it changes. Yeah, it means you're kind of an adult. Yeah. Like you're on your own now. It's not, you're never going to be that little kid that's taken care of. I mean, yes, you are taken care of by your parents, but it's in a different aspect. And so, you know, that's just hard because it's like you're, you're in limbo. You're wandering around for four years trying to figure out who you are, even though you had a great upbringing, but now it's trying to figure out who you are as a person all on your own. It's a brand new context. 100%. Well, and then career-wise, it also kind of sounds like maybe you didn't quite know what you wanted Correct. to do at first. Yeah. Mm -mm. And then when you came back home and, and thought, hey, I'll do what mom is doing because mom is happy and right. mom is successful, then right. then your mom quit, quickly kind of put the kibosh yeah. on that. Yeah. So then you're, you're kind of thrown back on yourself. Well, then what can I do? Absolutely. So I knew that I did enjoy helping people. So I was going to go the social work tra track. And then I kind of learned more about therapeutic recreation, which is why I went that route. And so... I would say in college, um, I had some really great friends, was very busy. Um, we played intramurals. We had some really great, um, we put some great groups together. And so that was huge. And then 
worked at the Golden Corral in Warrensburg. That was one of my jobs. I think... Did Were I you a waitress? Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think if I was worked at McDonald's there too. I can't remember. And then my junior and senior year, I think, or like my... I um, actually got a job with the intramural, intramural department and okay. was um, worked 20 hours a week for them and basically was a, what they call us, I don't know if it was a sports manager or whatever, but you would go out and you would oversee in certain sports. And so that was really cool. Yeah. I this, liked that aspect. This yeah. sporty thing has really served you well yeah. your whole life. Yeah. And it's been very consistent. It's helped you with your health and it's gotten you all these social opportunities 100%. and some career opportunities yeah. Yeah. and things like that. Okay. So then that was college. And then you kind of talked about your, your job in the middle. Um, and then SJA. How did you even hear about SJA? What drew you to SJA? That's a great... St. James Academy. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, you know... Um, because switching... I kind of did that. I worked at one place for 13 years. Yeah. And then I came here. And, and I had to ask myself, what kind of lunatic takes the situation where he's basically happy right. and then says, oh, I think I'm going to try to upgrade that <laughs> and, and to do that like in your 40s? 100%. And then I, then I thought, well, apparently, I guess I must be this type well, of I'm crazy trying, person. Now I'm trying to think of how old I was when I switched. So I, I'm 46, so almost 10 years. So probably 35, 36. Okay. Um, is when I switched. I would say probably 35. Um, in, and at that point, you've got small kids. Yeah, so... So, I mean, um, that's kind of a big switch. It was a big switch. And I loved what I did. I mean, that was Special Olympics Kansas. That, what I was doing, it was probably what I consider my dream job. Mm. Like, you know, like that's... I didn't ever envision myself leaving there, to be honest. Um, and, you know, just kind of a little story. I mean, obviously... I grew up in the faith and Catholic church. My the one thing is my husband is not Catholic, but he's been really great. Um, and knowing the, how important the Catholic faith is and raising our two kids in the Catholic church. So he's always been very supportive of that and not necessarily, I don't want to force him to change, but he's very open to it and, and goes to mass with us and, and that. And I feel like that maybe in his own time, maybe eventually he would, he would convert. But I think, um, you know, one of the draws, I guess, of leaving Special Olympics and and even thinking about this is, I you know, the Leaven is a is a Catholic newspaper, obviously yep. that gets published in our in our diocese and in our area, and and I was at a point in my life with Special Olympics that I had two two young kids and I worked a lot of evenings and weekends. Loved my job, loved it, but there was no room for advancement. Okay, because it had a great problem. People loved their job. They didn't. So, but there wasn't anywhere to go if right. someone, someone left. It's so, not like a gigantic corporation with a lot of turnover. Correct. Yeah, people stay. And so I was like, okay, well, if I ever want to become, like if I wanted to become a CEO of a special of Special Olympics or get more in the administrative role, I have to have, because I would talk about that with my CEO, like if he left, which he was planning to retire, I'm like, Chris, I would love to have your job, but a board of directors is not going to hire me at the level I am at because I haven't been in that intermediate level. I need more experience. And then nobody's moving out of Correct. those intermediate Correct. levels. Correct. Or that next step. And so um, I knew that I needed to go out and get some experience if that was something that I ever wanted to do. Mm. And so, and, and again, like I said, I worked a lot of evenings and weekends and, and I, I felt Which like that's tough for a family. It is tough. And I felt like it was getting to the age with 
where my oldest was starting to play sports and, you know, I was missing some of that. And so I wanted less evenings and weekends. So it happened to, and yeah. And so then it happened that one weekend I was looking in the 11 and I came across the job for here. Okay. And, um, I saw it and I was like, I, I sat on it for like a week and I said something to my husband and then I went into work. Um, and what's interesting is I, I shared an office with four other ladies when I worked for Special Olympics or three other ladies and they worked for Special Olympics Missouri and I worked for Special Olympics Kansas. But the four of us, we made up the metro area. Okay. And so we worked closely together. We were like all really good friends. And I said to one of my coworkers, I'm like, what do you think about this job? I'm like, do you... Because, you know, when you first look at something, it's very intimidating. You don't think you're qualified. Yeah, I'm well, like, for sure. I'm like, do you think that I'd be able to do this? And she goes, yeah, hands down, I think you would be able to do it. Isn't that great to get that outside validation from people? Yeah, because I think sometimes... Half the time you, they're crazy, but the other half of the time they know what they're talking well, about. Well, and, you know, when you see something written on paper and it's something in a, in a realm that you've never done, but yet in talking with someone and they sit down and they go, look at what you're doing. Everything that you're doing is a version of that. Right. It's a transferable skill. Correct. Like you absolutely can do that. Yeah. And so then I was like, okay. So I went home and I prayed about it and I thought, well, maybe, you know, I should apply. And I thought, what do I have to lose? Nothing. Right. And I really wasn't honestly actively, I wasn't looking, I wasn't looking to leave yet. I knew that I would slowly, but this just happened to kind of fall in my lap. And I so, so I told my husband, I'm like, I think I'm going to apply. You know, I had my first interview and I, and it went good, but I wasn't feeling like. I nailed it. Right. And so I was like, oh, well, you know, like, I don't know, you know. And again, I've been at, there for 11 and a half years or maybe it was 12 and a half. I can't remember. And I was, you know, you're comfortable. Yeah, you I are. know what I'm doing every single day. Right. Like it I, seems like, hey, this place isn't going anywhere. This business is going to be intact or this nonprofit is going to be intact for the next 50 years, right. which is an eternity. So, hey, I'm good to go. I've right. got job security. hundred percent. I know what I'm doing. Like I know how to, I know how to execute everything. I know how to make it grow. I know how to do that. So, so then I got a second interview out here and I was like, okay, well let's, you know, and so it was with our president, Mr. Talicki and Karen McGinn and. And this was a brand new position because Karen had done admissions and fundraising. She had done both, but we had grown enough that we needed to add the new position. And so um, I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And so I left that interview and I told my husband, I called him. I'm like, I knocked it out of the ballpark. (laughs) I'm like, if I don't get it, then, you know, at least I knock, I feel like I ended on a high note. And so then... You know, when they called and offered me the position, that was a really hard decision. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you... Yeah, I, I went there. Yeah. yeah. You, I mean, it was tough. It was very, very tough because, yeah, you just had to ask yourself, do I really want to leave a place where I am essentially happy, right. you know, and, you know, not just comfortable, but happy? Well, and I feel like, and you're probably as similar as me, I'm a very loyal person when it comes to work, and I am nothing but transparent, and I feel like that you... If you put your blood, sweat, and tears into an organization, it's because or you, it's because of something that you believe in and you're passionate about it and you love it. I mean, there would be times, that, you know, things that when I worked at Special Olympics that I would get, they, they knew that I could be vocal on certain things, but it was only because I was passionate about it and you wanted to make it better. And so, like, it was, you know, it's hard when you've given all that to then maybe make a change into an unknown 
that you don't that's know right. where that's going to go. That's it's right. Scary. That's right. Well, yeah. and, and I have to say, when I came here, which was in 2010, that first year there were about 25 surprises that I absolutely was not anticipating. And they were all positive. Uh-huh. They were all very, very good. And so I, I just was on cloud nine yeah. for a whole year. And then I had kind of a rough year that second year where there were a bunch of surprises and they were all negative. So then I thought, oh my goodness, what have I gotten myself into? Right. And then after that, then things have just been wonderful. And the opportunities have just been amazing because I think I've added, gosh, about eight different classes that I never taught before yeah, that that's they, awesome. they let me do because, yeah. hey, I was willing to read the textbook plus three other books for, for example, say a psychology class or a sociology class or something cool like that. Right. Um, they're willing to let me stretch myself intellectually, Absolutely. you know, provided I'm willing to read the books. Right. I think that's the same emotions that I went through, you know, and that was the biggest thing is when they offered me the job, I went and I literally had a conversation with my CEO and I said, Hey, here's the thing, you know, like I've been offered this position. I'm seriously considering taking it. And, you know, he was a little, you know, um, sad, probably. Sad. Yeah. And, um, you know, but I said, I really think it's a great opportunity. And so I accepted the position and, you know, and then, um, I was really excited. I mean, excited and nervous, you know, so the, I think there were some really great things. Like I said, Karen, um, who retired as the admissions director, she was a really great mentor and role model and having coming to work for her and Andy. I mean, like I couldn't, I mean, I came from a great work environment. I feel like, like someplace that I love, but also stepping into this building and having this, but also I think the other piece that drew me, that's something that I was not missing on my own, but the added component was getting to come to a place every day where you could talk about your faith and that you, you got to go to daily mass every single day where, yes, I could have done that at my old job if I would have got up or got my butt out of bed and went to mass before I went to my job, but it's I, harder. Right. It's harder. I did that at my old school after a certain number of years. I, I thought, well, gosh, you know, I would really like to go to daily mass. And so it entailed getting up earlier. Right. And then driving, you know, to a certain part of town when it's dark. And when it's January, it's like negative 10 degrees, right, et right. cetera, you know. Right. So, but it actually did give me a great sense of peace. And so I guess I was doing that for maybe the last two or three years, something like that. Yeah. So I, I know what you're talking about. And that would be much harder to do, I think, in your circumstance, because your job entailed Nights and weekends and, yeah. and evenings. And, yeah. and then also, too, I mean, you're raising kids and they're getting yeah. to the sporty age. And you just had a lot of, of um, obligations. Yeah. So I think what drew me here was the environment and the people that worked here and just the, I don't know. I mean. The people are great. Yes. I mean, and, and the identity fits. I think that's really huge for people. 100%. I think, you know, I've, I've read in psychology that it's actually the number one motivating factor for people. There's a great book by a man named James Clear called Atomic Habits, mm-hmm. and he basically spent 10 years studying how can you change your habits, like if you want to change a habit. Right. And, and the most effective thing is to change your identity, mm-hmm. which I thought, how do you do that? Interesting. Yeah. But I'll just give you an example. Like maybe I'm a smoker and I smoke two packs of cigarettes a day and I've always enjoyed smoking and maybe my friends got me into it when I was a teenager. Right. So I associate it with my friends. My friend group and I were all smokers. I'm a smoker. Well, then I go to the doctor and the doctor says, you're going to die in a year and then your children will not have a father. Then my identity as a father takes over 
And maybe it's difficult to quit smoking, but every time I don't smoke, I think I'm a father. I'm a father. I have to be there for my kids. Got it. I'm willing to do difficult things. Yeah. I'm giving up this two-pack-a-day habit yeah. because the doctor tells me I'm going to die, but that doesn't matter to me as much as to me as my children's father is going to die. Yeah, that so, makes sense. So that's an identity. Or you could look at how people change diets. Yeah. They say, oh, I shouldn't eat that chocolate cake. I shouldn't eat that chocolate cake. But if they become like, say, a paleo person right. or a Whole30, then, hey, I'm paleo. Well, I'm, the only way I'm going to eat that chocolate cake is if it's made out of coconut flour and if I only have one piece and if it's right. all natural. That's the only way you do it. And so that identity piece is just it's the most powerful piece. Yeah. And so I think that was the big key is to coming here is... I mean, and that was the big draw. Like you said, it was scary within the first year, but there were a lot of positive things that came out of it. And after a year being here, I'm like, okay, I didn't miss it as much, you know, as what, and then now that we've gone on, I just having the interaction and the great coworkers and honestly working with teenagers, it's, Oh, they're a delight. It, yeah, it they is. are. Yeah, they are. 100%. They're so much. They're so 100%. much fun. Yeah. They're so much fun. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it's been awesome. Well, let me ask: um, What would be your hopes and dreams for either this school or for your position in the future? Oh, that's a great. Um, you know, being so new, it's hard because we still, um, you know, have we're limited on the things that we can add and incorporate because of our our our. Um, debt or whatever that we have to repay back that we are but I think getting it I would love to be alive at 50 years from now okay and to see what this school has become because I think about me age and I think about Aquinas and how long that they've been and, and how they've evolved and I think I know those things take time and so even 25 years from now what's our school going to look like are we going to have that stadium what's our auditorium going to look like um, and then the innovation things that we're doing as far as like Mr. Rockford, as far as those things and like all the advances that we have, because I think we have a really great school and I think our administration works really hard to, to stay competitive with the public schools. Cause we have to, we do, we have to, we do. Um, and so what is that going to look like? You know, like the learning, um, I know, I don't know if you've seen what Mr. Rockford was doing, but like that. 3D thing that, that we're hoping to get a grant on where you're looking at a heart and I'm like, It's wow. like a 3D imaging thing? Yes. Like okay. it's like a screen and you put on, it's like VR goggles. Okay. I don't know if you've ever used virtual uh, No, I know about it. But like I put, put on the goggles and I see like this whole. And there's a heart, but it's 3D and then you take this pen and you can click on it and pull it towards you and you turn it oh my and gosh. you can see the valves pumping like you would actually be looking at a human heart but except you're looking at it on a screen and it's so cool and I'm like wow how awesome would this have been if you and I would have been in college and we would have gotten to learn like this I mean just the technology and so I think those things really excite me to even see like 10 years from down the road how advanced we're going to be and the different teaching the you know the different ways and modes of instruction because Again, we weren't expecting to teach on Zoom this year, but the way that teachers pivoted and still made it available and the learning still continued for our kids, I mean, is phenomenal. So I think we have done it. We've done, we've done it. I'm not going to say we probably did it well 100% of the time, but dang, I feel like what we did, we knocked out of the park. And so I feel like, I don't know, that's, that's kind of the exciting things that I look forward to in the future and just to seeing... Um, 
how we can grow because like like I said with this incoming freshman class that's big so I would love to see what we're going to be next year I mean I would love to get back to between 900 to a thousand students if we can and I I would love that this year of COVID has made other families think about again I'm not saying I think public schools have a lot of great opportunities but have you considered the opportunities that are available to you at a private school? Right. Um, I, that's one thing about this. Just this past year, I, I feel like I, I've seen this in a bunch of my friends. I'm feeling a little bit this way myself, is that if this year doesn't make people look in the mirror and just question their whole pattern of life and their right. existence, I don't know what it's going to take. I, I think this is how life is supposed to work. If you get knocked down, uh, if you get kicked in the ankles and punched in the face and, and you have to pick yourself back up off the right. ground, I, I think you have to ask yourself, am I living in the right place? Am I doing the right things? Uh, what's the means and purpose? What's the direction of my life? Right. So I, I just feel like a lot of people are going to be looking in the mirror. Mm-hmm. If you were on autopilot before because you could be on autopilot before, I just feel like this year just interfered with everybody 100%. in such a way that it yeah. would give that jolt. Absolutely. Um, okay. I'd like to maybe get your advice okay. on a few things. All right. Um, let's say you have the opportunity to talk to somebody who's starting a new Catholic school or maybe a private school of some kind. And they need marketing and they need advancements. And you can just tell them anything you want. They are just totally eager to hear it. What would you say? Ooh, that's a great question. I think the it's really important to have a great team that you work for. But I think when you're talking to families and what your people all have to be bought in. And I think that is that's we're very blessed in the team that I have with our president, Mr. Tulicki, and then the marketing and um, um, uh, marketing side of things and the advancement side of things. I think we all work really well together and we're not afraid to share ideas, even if one of them isn't necessarily an idea that we're going to go with. It's not, I mean, we don't take anything personal. We know that it's the way you work and we're not afraid to have those hard conversations or even to have those honest conversations because that's how we grow and that's how we make everyone better. And so I think that is to align yourself and when you're doing the hiring is to make sure that you have people that fit in with your mission and what the direction that you're trying to go um, and that are willing to work together and be team players. Um, And I think um, when you're trying to get people to come to your school. I think it's all about, again, your, who, who they're meeting and the personalities and um, the environment that you create. I think that that's huge because yeah. I feel like most people that walk into our school feel like it's very welcoming and um, they just notice that it's a place of, um, you know, they feel comfortable walking in. It's that friendly identity piece yes, once absolutely. again do i want to be a part of this identity where it seems like people are really getting along yeah absolutely. but you also said team player but then you also mentioned that it's okay for people on the team to clash with each other 100 you know that they they argue yes. they uh they have discussions they maybe have disputes and maybe they don't really agree with each other, but once people make a decision, then people just sort of jump in and they decide right. they're going to do and it. And I think that's a healthy way of looking at it because you're too. not always going to agree with everyone. And, you know, something that an idea that they have at the time may not work at that moment, it doesn't mean it's a no for the future. Right. But it may not work whether it doesn't fit into your budget 
or there are other there are other things. I mean, it just may not work at the time. And we may try idea number one, but then a year later, maybe people give idea number two a second look. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Okay, uh, one other last question for okay. advice. Um, how do you win people over? Because I think that's part of it, right? Because they could go to any school 100%. in the metro area, um, but instead they come here. So how do you win people over? Um, you know, I think it's a combination, I think, of many different things. I think, um, again, I feel like we have a really great faculty and staff. I think one of the great sellers that we have as a school, it's not just myself in this role, but it's our teachers, but it's okay. also our parents and our students. Oh, for sure. They are huge advocates for our school and talking about and sharing what we do and who we are. And so I think that is a, um, a huge piece of it. But I also think, um, you know, coming in, letting families walk through our building, explain to them all the di different departments that we have, all the different opportunities for their kids, but also having, getting to know them as people, what their interests are and mm. their personalities and making them feel like they're a person and that they're welcome. I, I'm not saying that other schools do it because I think they probably absolutely do, but I think really having that connection and um, being willing to be friendly. And of course, that's also my personality though. I'm super social outgoing. I could talk to a wall. And so you're talking to me right. and that's so, very challenging for most so, people. So I think that sometimes maybe I might come off too strong. Sometimes when people leave, I'm like, Oh man, they probably think I'm way too chatty and like, you know, whatever. But I just feel like again, the accountants of the world are cringing. It's like when you're passionate about your job and you love what you do, which I think we have a really great school and really great teachers and really great academics it's hard not to sell something oh, for that sure. you don't love. Oh, for sure. I mean. I, I've you know, heard the so. secret to sales is you just have to really love the customer. Right. And you really have to love what you are selling right. in the first place. Like I, I could have sold Chipotle burritos to anybody. <laughs> I, I was just so addicted. I think I still am. And so, and they were with me when I was like an ordinary eater and they were with me when I tried veganism right. and then they were with me when I fled screaming from veganism, <laughs> you know, they, they've always been with me. Right. And so and then whenever somebody would say, you know, I just don't like Chipotle, I would look at them and think, what is wrong with you? <laughs> right. So I mean, but I wasn't like mad at the person, right. but Absolutely. then I would just drop it instantly yeah. because yeah. yeah, they didn't want to hear it anymore. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. You know. So I so. think, yeah, that's my thought is love the customer Love what you're selling. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you, is, is there more or is that no, kind of the just, whole? No, I, th I think that's really, I think that's really it. I mean, and just, yeah. And, and then of, of course the follow-up. I mean, I always follow up and with families and are there any additional questions? Are there any other questions that you might have that I can help in the discernment process of where your child is going to go to high school? Because it is a really hard decision. They have a lot of great choices. I they mean, do. They Catholic do. Catholic schools are. We have three great Catholic high schools to choose from. Just on this side just of the on state this line. Side of the line, and you can't go wrong with any of them. They're just all different in their own ways. Yep. And then you have really great public high schools. So. And I mean, then there's a bunch of private schools right. around here that are so non-denominational I mean, or or secular. Absolutely. And they're very good too. But I'm willing to help answer any of those questions that families may have, and even direct them if they want resources or 
or um, references of other families that I direct them to so they can see how the transition has been for their kids if they're coming from maybe they went to public school and now all of a sudden they're coming to Catholic high school or maybe they're non-Catholic and coming to a Catholic high school. So all of these different permutations right, are, yeah. are opportunities for them to interact with some of our other families and get questions answered as well. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I have one last question okay. for you if, if you're up for it. Okay. Um, it's just been great chatting with you. And I just really love to pretend that we can fast forward 15 years. And let's just say you're taking a stroll and uh, just enjoying life. Looking back in the last 15 years, what's been the best things about this past 15 years? Wow. From now, huh? The past 15 years. Yeah. I think so probably, I guess we're in 2036. Yeah. Oh, okay. 2036. Yeah. yeah. So we're looking back, you know, in I, other words, what would you like to accomplish? Yeah. In the I next think 15? how probably I've evolved as a person. Um, and I hope that I become even more spiritually, um, more spiritual. I feel like with my faith, I don't know, you know, I still feel like I'm on a journey and I'm not to that sainthood yet. May I, I may never be, but I would, you know what I mean? Right. I have, I have struggles, but I don't know. I, I often think about that. I, um, obviously fitness and, and sports are a huge component of my life. And I think that I would love to, and again, I'm pretty social and outgoing that I would love to do some sort of that. Um, whether it be, um, coaching or um, oh you get back into coaching maybe or okay. you know like do some fitness classes or do some of that stuff I often think about that um like if I what would I do if I ever left here okay you know and maybe be a Zumba instructor <laughs> I'm a terrible dancer so that would not happen <laughs> I lack coordination on that okay. I can lift weights I can't I can do a spinning class okay. you know what I mean but yeah. like and yeah. like a weights class but not a Zumba no terrible okay maybe I could maybe I should put that on my list to become better but um you know I think I don't know I would love to be able to maybe retire and do not retire but not, switch right and do something of my own like but be my own entrepreneur or business so, oh. I've been, so i've been looking into some things like maybe starting a a side hustle as you say yeah yeah yeah. um and um doing that because i love i'm because i do I, I enjoy working out i love being outdoors i love being active so trying to pass that on to that but also the other pieces i love working with people and so the other population that i love is i love old people oh and yeah. i could see myself working at a nursing home or, you know, like, um, I don't know. So I think the, the possibilities are endless. I have lots of opportunities and, and, you know, who, who knows? Cause my boys will be out of high school by, well, hopefully out of college by then. And depending upon where we end up, where, if we're still here or if we end up moving where they are, or maybe moving closer back to home, I don't know. Okay. So yeah, that's pretty awesome. Well, if you start an exercise class, let me know. <laughs> It won't be Zumba. <laughs> oh, I know. Thank you, Tim. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you, so, Amber. Yeah. This was awesome. It was. Have a great day. You too.